Welcome back to the Duke Football Coverage Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you as always by Bull City Coordinators. You can check us out on our website, bullcitycoordinators.com. Follow us on Twitter at DukeFBCoverage. And you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, etc. We're easy to find, and our DMs on Twitter are open. If you are associated with the Duke program, past, present, or perhaps future, just shoot us a message and come on. Happy to talk with you. Happy to set something up. Always glad to take a few minutes to talk about Blue Devils football. Now, transitioning to our next guest, he played at Duke from 2016 to 2019. He was a three-time recipient of the program's Sonny Falcone Iron Duke Award, which honors year-round commitment to strength and conditioning. He was also a two-time academic All-ACC selection. After he graduated, he served as a GA working with the defense for the 2020 season. He played defensive end in war number 59. How are you, Trey Hornbuckle? I'm good this morning. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for coming on. Let's take a few minutes. Why don't you catch all of us up on what you've been doing since you left Durham? You know, it's it's easy for us to know what the basketball players are doing because we get to see their faces, but you guys got helmets and shoulder pads on. So take a few minutes. Tell us what you've been up to. You know, um, so after I got done ga you know, the reason why I, I stopped coaching was because, you know, Edmonton football team, well, now the Edmonton Elks gave me, a, gave me a contract. They gave me a contract opportunity. However, you know, as I was preparing for that, you know, I ended up getting cut in the process because they, they signed to me Americans. So then that summer I went and took a risk and played in the IFL, the indoor football league, and I played for the Spokane Shop. You know, I played there from, I want to say, maybe really May to – September I was up there for a while and then after that I was actually had the the luxury and opportunity to come back and get in Durham right in time for my graduation you know our the 2020 graduation was made up in September so I got back right on time to do that which honestly that was a great time you know seeing everybody hearing what everybody else was doing you know just kind of it was like a big reunion for you know people that have already been working and stuff so that was a really great time to finally be able to graduate and somewhat walk across the stage at Duke University. You know, that's what a lot of us at Duke take pride in is walking across that stage, you know, after all those years of hard work. And, you know, cause that's like, we all know Duke is a very difficult school to get through. You know, you have to put in the work to really succeed at that school. So, I mean, that was a wonderful, you know, wonderful feeling to have my mom, my dad and my grandfather, father all there to see that. So then, you know, shortly, I'm gonna say two weeks after I got done with graduation, my agent calls me. He's like, hey, Trey, you ready to go? And I was like, um, I'm like, yeah. You know, Ottawa, the Ottawa Red Blacks had reached out and they wanted to sign me. You know, I didn't hear nothing. Like with my arena film, I didn't hear nothing for like a month. So it's kind of discouraging because, you know, my agent was like, you know, the teams are full up here right now. You know, just keep working out. Like, just, you know, just stay at it. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to keep working out. And I actually got a little small, a small job at, at FedEx for a little while just to put a little bit of money in my pocket. I was like, okay, let me just do something for right now, just in case something happens. Lo and behold, you know, it came. You know, one day I was just chilling, and my agent called me. He's like, hey, I was ready to take you. Are you ready to go? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm ready to go. I didn't realize it was going to be. I was going to leave that as quick as I did. You know, I I left on two days' notice. I was like, oh shoot. I think they signed me on a Sunday. They flew me out on a Tuesday. I was like, okay, it's it's real. It's here. It's time. And then you know, I went up there to Canada. You know. I had quarantine for a week, but then after that, you know, when I got out of quarantine, you know, I took the time to really dive into the playbook and just know everything I needed to know. So that way I could play as fast as possible whenever the opportunity presented itself, whether in practice or in the game. And then I ended up playing literally my first week out of quarantine, ended up playing in my first Canadian football game. And that was, I mean, that was fun. And I got a big time fumble recovery at a big time moment in the game. And it's just like, wow. I mean, and then I ended up going to play one more game after that. You know, the, there's a ratio difference, so that, kept, kept, that kind of kept me off the other games. But just just playing in that league and, you know, and making plays was definitely a confidence boost for myself. And it was just def- definitely something that I'm very thankful for, you know. I ended up getting re-signed to go back. You know, I'm excited. I've been working out, preparing for camp. I mean, I feel good. I feel really good right now. You know, I'm just happy, like I'm happy and excited to go back up there. 
Well, tell us a little bit about what football is like in Canada, uh, the differences between the American game and the Canadian game, and tell us how your, your season went and what you're looking forward to uh, this coming season. You know, so when I got up there, you know, they were kind of, they were already, you know, they weren't playoff eligible when I got up there. You know, they, they were kind of having a down year. However, I wasn't going to let that affect me anyway when I showed up. I still brought the same energy that I brought to the Duke practices that I brought up there. I brought that blue-collar mentality. You know, the difference is, you know, well, one, there's 12 people on the field. You know, you get an extra, extra skill player or extra lineman, whatever you want to do. It's really an extra skill player, so extra receiver, tight end, fullback, whatever, whoever, whatever the formation calls for. And on defense, you have extra DB. And now you're playing on a bigger field. You know, in America, the football field's width is about 53 yards, 52 yards. And then in Canada, it's 65. And then where in America, the football field is 100 yards. In Canada, I want to say it's like 110 or 120. And the end zone is huge. It's like a 20-yard end zone. So, I mean, it's a quicker game. So, instead of a third, like in America, it's three and out. Canada is two and out. So, if you're not successful on first down, you're going, to be, you're going to get ready to punt. So special teams is a really big part of Canada, you know, because, I mean, you're off the field so fast. I mean, you get a TFL first down where the punt team has to be ready or a punt return team has to be ready. So, so, you know, that's kind of the difference. It's a very – it's a passing lead. It's a quicker game. But, I mean, you know, they have a – we have a three-minute warning instead of a two-minute warning. So, you know, the game slows down in those last three minutes. And, I mean – you you could really like you could really come back from a big time leak, a big time deficit in those type of games in that three minutes. Like I've seen it, and it's just kind of crazy. But you know, other than that, like that's different. Just the the pace of it, and just like you know, you two you on two plays, you can be back on the sideline, no matter if that that quick. So I mean, you know, and then there's a ratio too where you know I think out of the twelve players, like seven of the, I mean four of the twelve have to be Canadians. So, you know, and this is kind of that's what kind of messes people up a little bit coming from America to Canada is like, you know, they have to honor that ratio because at the end of the day, it's Canadian football. If they didn't honor that ratio, it would just be another NFL up north, honestly. So, you know, but I love how, you know, the Canadians take pride in the Canadian Football League. You know, like if it's raining or snowing, they don't care if it's cold. They're going to sit all three hours of that game and watch it. Because, you know, they take pride in that that toughness of dealing with that cold weather. I mean, I honestly, I'm enjoying it. You know, look, like I said, I can't wait to get up to camp and make some noise and just have fun. You know, that's, that's the main thing. I'm just worried, really focused on this season, you know, like now that I've gotten back into the game, I'm just focusing on having fun. Because I know what it's like to not have an opportunity to, to play now. And it, it, it's, it honestly hurts. So now that I'm back in the swing of things, I'm like, man, I'm going to enjoy every second of this. I'm going to. I'm not going to let this time pass me by because once it's gone, it's gone. You know, I'm going to really enjoy this window that I have to play the game. However long, good old Lord blesses me to play this game, I'm going to be able to play it. But I'm just going to be where my feet are and enjoy every second of it. I want to come back to talk a little bit more about how you ended up playing in Spokane and also in Canada, but can you tell us a little bit about what the indoor football league was like and what it was like playing for the shock? You know, it was definitely different. Um, you know, it was fun. I had a lot of fun playing it. It's painful because, you know, you're playing on basically carpet, like you're playing and, you know, your surfaces might be a basketball court, a hockey ring, or like a, a expo center where it's concrete under the carpet. So, I mean, I was getting burnt and like you wanted to wear sleeves. I wanted to be Mr. Tough, tough guy and not wear sleeves one game. And that was a very, that was a huge mistake on my part. Huge mistake. I mean, my elbows were destroyed. You know, I, would, I, always, I always listened when it was time to wear leggings because, you know, my leggings were getting ripped anyways. But I, and I was still getting like turf burns on like my knees and stuff. But the elbows, man, my elbows were destroyed. I mean, every game I'm, I'm having to bandage up my elbows and stuff because, I mean, I'm, New, I'm making new, uh, old burns worse, you know. I'm making old burns worse, and then all of a sudden, I'm finding new ones. It's like, man, well, you know, and that's that, and that concept of an arena is kind of different because you know, outdoor football, I'm used to having wide alignments to have space, 
an indoor and like indoor ball, you can't do that. As a D lineman, you have to line up essentially head up. And that's how you pass rush from a head up position. It's not easy doing that, especially being that close to an opponent, that close to an opponent. So I mean it's an advantage for the linemen because they don't have to uh, they don't have to truly pass set. So it's like it was it was hard. It was hard trying to learn at first, like adjusting to the indoor game coming outside, because you know you, you want to play 100 miles an hour as, as any football player. But as a defensive player in the arena, you had to play a little bit more under control because one bad step or one false step, can it'll be a touchdown. It would be a touchdown. So it's just, you know, you wanted to really, you know, you had to really hone in and really, really pay attention to, uh, to detail your technique. You know, I will say playing in Spokane made me a better football player because I had to be that more, I had to be much more physical. Because one, they're not calling any holding. They're never going to call holds. Which, you know, I was taught, you know, Coach Albert taught me in college anyways, like, man, as a D lineman, we do not complain about holding. You just have to be more physical and, and take and get his hands off you by any means necessary. You're not allowed to complain. So that, you know, complaining about holding was something I've never done anyways, but they took holding to the extreme in, in, in their league because they knew they could get away with it. So I will say that definitely made me, but that uh, playing in Spokane and playing in the IFL definitely made me a much better ball player in a sense with playing, playing with physicality. You know, and it honestly prepared me. You know, that was my first time. You know, I was the youngest guy on the team. And I was playing with guys who were 30, 32, 37. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it was like, you know, dang. Like, I, I now know knew what it feel like to play against grown men. You know, we say it in college, y'all, I'm playing against grown men. But it's different battling with somebody that's 23, 24, where you're battling with somebody who's, 20, like I said, 29 to 30. It's different. They've seen it all and they've done it all. So... Like I said, that definitely made me a, a much better football player because I honestly, it, the patch of my game got exposed early in camp. I was just happy enough that I'd made the adjustments quick. So I was able to make the team, you know, and we, ended up, we didn't have the season we wanted to in Spokane. You know, we had a lot, a lot of injuries, a lot. We had a lot of first time guys in arena. And, you know, people didn't know the game. And then, like I said, injury was the death of us. So, you know, I'm still grateful for the time I spent out there. Like I said, it, it was humbling and challenging, but I'm glad, you know, I made it through it. I had a, a great deal of success in arena ball during that season. I had six sacks in six games. So, I mean, you know, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And it prepared me for when I got up to Canada. It wasn't something new to, to go against somebody who was older, that much older than me. I already knew what it was like. I already knew what to expect. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned your injuries in Spokane. You know a lot about teams dealing with injuries from your time at Duke. Uh-huh. We'll, we'll talk about that soon enough. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how your senior year was 2019, and then the pandemic hits, the lockdowns hit. Our world goes upside down. And just from a very, very micro perspective, how do you think that that affected you preparing for the NFL draft and your teammates who were also trying to go to the NFL? Well, you know, personally, I think it affected me in a way with like the scouts didn't see the, uh, the gains that I've made, the strides that I took from playing college to the way I changed my body going to game preparing for the pros. You know, in my senior bowl, I played in the tropical bowl along with Edgar Serra North. And, you know, I weighed in at 250 pounds. And then at the end of my pro day training cycle, I was 265. So I made a great deal. I, I put a great deal of muscle on my body. I, I, made, I, I made myself into what I wanted to be. So that way I had the best opportunity on pro day to show them all the hard work that I put in. And those nine weeks I was gone away. And, you know, I think that alone just kind of hurt all of us. They, they never got to see any of us really kind of improve. Like, they never got to see us move in person after seeing us play in college. So, you know, I think that kind of – honestly, that hurt all of us. That hurt all of us, you know. Trayvon, yeah, Trayvon McSwain, he got picked up, which I was happy – I was really happy about that, you know. But just for the rest of us, it was just kind of – it was just difficult. And, you know, and it took a great deal of mental 
you know, it, it, it was a, it's been a hard journey. I'm not going to sit here and act like it hasn't. It's been hard. You know, every a lot of people's dreams in college ball is to go play in the NFL or to have a shot to at least showcase their skill. And, and a lot of us, not even at Duke, around the, around the country did not get the opportunity. You know, they didn't take the amount of free agents they normally take because there wasn't a mini camp. And I know, like, I know, I know, like, the rest of us knew, like, if we all would have got a mini camp shot, we'd have made something happen. That's kind of been our staple at Duke. You know, a lot of guys get a mini camp shot, oh, all of a sudden, boom, they're starters before we know it. So, you know, that was kind of the thing, you know, I just, I commend, I commend everyone for the hard work that we, we had to put in, but I definitely think, you know, not having a pro day really, really hurt a lot of people during that. Because that's where they, that's where they're able to assess your improvement, improvements and not being able to participate in a pro day. That, that was just difficult. And like, I went to, I did one um, combine like pro day type workout in uh, Baltimore with American uh, national combines, but still like, it wasn't the same as actually having all those scouts at the school, taking your measurements, seeing you, working you out, you know what I'm saying? It's just not the same because, you know, that was back when COVID was really heavy, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't really any scouts at this combine I went to. You know, the guy that ran it was an ex, was like an ex NFL scout, but still, it's just not the same. It's not the same, but like I said, I'm blessed and I'm grateful to be where I'm at now, playing in Ottawa, you know, but it has been, it has been a process. It's been, it's been a long process. It's been a journey. It's only continuing. That's the thing. So, yeah. Yeah, and especially for guys coming out of Duke, the undrafted free agent portal seems to really be the way that a lot of guys have gotten into the league and become contributors. And without the pro day, I've talked to some other guys from your era, it, it really hurt not being able to come to school, not being able to see you guys. But I'm glad you're getting the opportunity to play now. And would you like to just comment a little bit on guys who maybe are in similar spots as you about trying to make a decision? Do I go to Canada? Do I play indoors? What do I do? What kind of advice would you give them? I'd tell them to, you know, go, go with your heart. You know, I, I, I prayed a lot on it because, you know, when I got cut from Edmonton, you know, out of the blue, it was just kind of like a shock. It's like, dang, like, what do I do now? And honestly, I, I just took the risk. I said, let me go play arena ball. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not the best football, like in regards to pay, you know, there, there's some good talent in the arena. Don't get me wrong, but it's just like, it's just something I felt like had to be done. Because at the end of the day, when the scouts are looking, they would need to see what you look like now. Like, what are you, what are you doing now? How do you move now? You know, and I wanted to show them that I'm still the same physical football player I was in college. So for guys that are still chasing it, I'll just tell them to keep chasing. Don't you, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, this journey is very, can be very lonely because nobody's going to under, really understand what you're going through mentally or physically. It, just for hopes that you may get a phone call or an email or a message saying, hey, are you ready to go? And right now with the way it's been, like the chances are getting, now the chance now, right, right now, 2022, now everything's opening back up. Yeah, teams are having open tryouts and stuff now, so it's different. But back then, when you didn't know if you're going to get a phone call or not, you just, you know, I just want to tell guys to keep, you have to see it yourself and believe it yourself. And, you know, I'm a total believer in manifestation. You know, you could manifest, manifest things that you want. You know, you have to see it and believe it and go get what you want at the end of the day. You know, you have to be proactive in the process to make things happen. You know, are you reaching out to GMs? Are you, are you doing your research? You know, there's a lot that goes into it. More than, you know, you have to do your own work, too. But still, like I would say, I would tell them just to keep chasing it. If you just what you want to do, chase with everything you got. Because our our body, where, where our bodies are at right now in our ages, our window is a very short window to do what we want to do. So go attack it now while you can. Because don't don't have one no don't have any what ifs in the process. Do not. Do not. Don't don't have any regrets. If you want to, if you got to take a risk, take it. Because you know, honestly, I thought I was gonna regret playing arena ball. But I don't think the opportunity ever would have presented itself if I was still sending just regular workout tips. No, I, I'm glad I was able to pr produce a really good film of myself competing and going hard and playing 100 miles an hour. I'm glad I was able to do that. I look back on it and I'm grateful that I took that route. Was it an easy route? No. 
It was not, but I'm glad I did it. And for anybody out there that's in the same boat I was in or I am now, if you get an opportunity to go play in Canada, go play in Canada. If you get a, an arena opportunity, go play. Go play while you can, because you never know what can come off of it. So, yeah. All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit and get into the Blue Devils and football uh, in America and college football. Tell us where you're from originally and how you got into playing football. So I'm from Murray, Kentucky, originally, which I am currently here right now. I just got here on Friday. Um, you know, how did I get into playing football? Man, you know, it's funny. I got into playing because one day, you know, my, I was a long time, excuse me, Baltimore Ravens fan. You know, I loved Ray Lewis. You know, that was the first, I've been, that was my favorite player my whole life. You know, that kind of got me into wanting to play football because it looked fun. You know, I didn't know much about it. You know, I come from a basketball playing family. My uncle played bas college basketball. My mom played college basketball. So, you know, basketball is kind of one of those things that was pumped into my head early. And, you know, but it's what I come. I came across this old picture of myself where, you know, I used to stuff my T-shirt with clothes. I would wear, like, I would wear these tight T-shirts and I would put like t other like T-shirts inside of them and stuff. And I had this plastic helmet. I was like, well, I want to be a to play football. I want to play football. And then, you know, one of my older cousins who was playing football at the time, I would always take his, um, when he would go to uh, like take naps and stuff, I would always take his equipment and put it on. So, you know, you know, when I was a young kid, you know, I would take it, I'd go outside and, you know, they, my mom has, uh, she has a lot of pictures of me when I did that, you know. So that was kind of, you know, my mom really kind of encouraged me into playing football once she found out that I loved it. She, you know, she kind of introduced me to, I started playing flag football in second grade. And I actually played up on the fourth grade team when I was in third grade. Because I was like, you know, a lot of us that were playing flag football, we didn't play flag, we were tackling. So a lot of those kids ended up getting put on the fourth grade team that year, whatever year that was. But when I was, when I was young and, you know, and that's kind of how I got into it. And, you know, I, I think my first game ever playing contact football, I had like 12 tackles. And that's when everybody was kind of just like, oh. And then, you know, I kind of, veered off from football. Yeah, I kept playing a little league and stuff, but I didn't take it serious because, you know, I thought, you know, I was taller than everybody growing up, so I thought I was going to grow up to be this guy that's six foot six, six foot seven. So, you know, I, I'm not, I had hoop dreams for a really long time. I wanted to play basketball, college basketball. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I played a lot more basketball than I ever played football in my lifetime. So, you know, I was on all doing all the AAU stuff. You know, then one day, middle school, we had gotten a new high school head coach. And he just happened to see happens to see me walking in the middle school. His name is Coach, Coach Steve Duncan. He looked at me. He's like, "Son, he's like, you will be my most one of my most recruit, heavily recruited players I've ever had." And I was like, "For what?" He's like, "For football." And I just kind of looked at him because you know, at Murray, in Murray, Kentucky, you know, we don't we don't have a big like history of sending guys to play Division One football. We don't. So it's just like, okay, like I mean, it sounded good, but I'm like, all right, whatever you know, most recruited player. And I mean, he said that to me every day. And so the time he honestly quit coaching me in high school, eventually, I mean, he literally told my mom, he's going to be my most heavily recruited player. I didn't now, I didn't know. Now what came with that though, was a lot of hard work, which I'll get to in a minute, but you know, it's in middle school, like I said, like I said, though, like I quit taking it serious and it wasn't until let's say either seventh or eighth grade, things were clicking on the field. Like, thing, like things were happening a little, or happened naturally. I was like, okay, like in basketball, I have to work extremely hard just to get this down. Or in football, I'm naturally just beating linemen in pass rush. I'm naturally scoring touch. It was just natural. And then my mom and my, my mom and I talked about it going into high school. My mom was like, Trey, football might be your calling as much as you love basketball. And at the time, I accepted it. Some people don't want to accept something like that, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna accept that it is, and I'm gonna attack it. You know, my high school. He's the head. He's the head coach now. He was my assistant coach. His name is Dior Curtis. You know, I credit him. I credit Coach Dior a lot to my success as a football player, especially when I wanted to learn how to play defensive line. You know, coming into high, coming into high school football as a tight end. You know, I thought I wanted to catch passes and stuff. You know. If, it was good. It was fun. You know, even I played in a, in the wishbone offense. So that, if that, if you know anything about the wishbone, we're not throwing the football. <laughs> so, 
you know, that's what made me, you know, kind of start getting more intrigued about playing on defense. You know, I started on the varsity, the varsity team in high school um, all years, all my all four years of high school. And, you know, once I started playing on defense, that's when I really figured, like, okay, this is my place. Like, offense is fun and all, but something about defense I, I love more. I think I just love just the hunt, like going and getting people, going and hitting people and delivering delivering the the punishment. I didn't like to take the punishment as a tight end. I did not I did not enjoy that by any means. You know, when you're 6'3", 210, a lot of people are coming for your knees. I did not like that. So, and then, yeah, and then, I mean, I put in a lot of work into this football stuff with my basketball coach. I mean, this after a day in the weights on football, I'm on the field another two hours with him, conditioning, running routes, working on pass rush. Like we, we, a lot of work went into my success when it came as a football player. A lot of work that went into it, or when it it was either field work, extra weight room time, or we were on the hill, one or the other. But I understood, you know, because he told me straight up. He's like, you want to be a D1 football player, you need to put in D1 work. And that's what we did. That's what we did. We got after it. You know, because where I live, we don't have none of the cool facilities or nothing like that. No, we don't have that. It's not Florida. It's not Miami. It's Murray, Kentucky. So, you know, I give a lot of credit to him, to Dior Curtis. And I mean, there's a whole, and the list goes on and on with the people that helped me. But, you know, Dior Curtis coached me from the time I was in fourth grade playing AAU all the way up to I was a senior in high school playing. And now he's the new head coach. He's Well, he's a head coach now. He got the new head coaching job, I would say, like 2018, 2018. But, yeah, and, you know, they're making a, they're making a great strides, making great runs, and they're, they just won the region tournament. You know, that was the third time we've done it in history here in Murray. You know, they're headed to state. So, I mean, you know, he understands the process. He taught me the process early, which I definitely think that contributed a lot to my success in college because I understood everything has a process to it so yeah how did you how did you end up coming to Duke and who was recruiting you so wow okay this is a crazy story it's a really crazy story so one day one day you know I was getting scholarships my junior year you know Miami Ohio all the Mac schools some FCS schools one day you know I get this this Twitter notification on my phone is like uh, coach Clay McGrath from, uh, Duke football has followed you. I'm like, Duke football? I was like, how did, I'm like, how did Duke, uh, coach from Duke just find my tape? So I was like, okay, you know, why would you, I'm like, why would they even look at Murray? Like, cause I, cause I look, I do the research. I'm like, I'm like, Durham is nine hours, nine to 10 hours south of Murray. Like, why, why, why are they coming to Murray? Like, we're, there's nothing, like, you know, we've had some players come out of Murray, out of our area, but just Murray in general, no. So I was like, okay. And so I followed him. And anytime a coach that time, anytime a coach followed me on Twitter, I started my highlight tape immediately. They might have already sent it. They might have already seen it. I was like, hey, coach, I'm Trey Warren Buckley. May you please take a look at my highlight tape? A lot of times they're like, oh, I've already seen it. Like, you know, and then, you know, so then when, you know, I sent it to Coach McGrath, Coach Clay, he's like, man, you are a ball player. He's like, call me now. So I was like, okay. I mean, he told me to call him. I got so excited. I mean, I'm like, I'm about to get my first ACC offer. Like it's about to, it's about to blow up from there. I didn't. We just, it was just basically, you know, when I called him, you know, we had a really, really long conversation, just getting to know each other, which, you know, it was kind of good because that might have been the longest I've ever talked to any coaches on the phone, anyways, back at that time. So I was like, so you know, we had just a really good conversation. And he's like, man, I have to get you here to camp. He's like, you need to come to a camp, and you, and if you show me. If you show the other coaches what I've seen on tape, we can definitely be talking to offer if you get here up here and dominate. So I was like, oh, that's, that's perfect. So lo and behold, that summer, you know, my coaches were able to help me get down to Durham. And, you know, I went to camp and I balled out. I mean, I was rushing at nose. I was rushing at the at DN. I did everything possibly so they could see my skill set. You know, because I'm not going to lie, that camp was really tough. Coach Cut made those camps tough. I mean, they tried to make us quit. I mean, they were running us like no tomorrow. And I was like, wow. I was like, I thought I came here to do one-on-one. It's not conditioning. So, you know, so, you know, when I went to camp, you know, I was literally beating a bunch of kids who had big, way, way bigger offers than I was. Like, they were three stars and four stars. I was a two-star. I was I was beating them, like, like easily. You know, I was just boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden, Coach Cut comes over there. 
And uh, Coach Jim Collins and Coach Jim knows at the time, they say, hey, there's a hornbuckle, come here. It's like, this is our head coach, uh, Coach David Cutcliffe. And I was like, oh, hey, Coach, how are you doing? He's like, where are you from? I was like, oh, I'm from Murray, Kentucky. He's like, hmm. He's like, where is that? I was like, oh, well, you know, basically it's the southwest corner of Kentucky. I'm a lot closer to Nashville than any big uh, Kentucky cities, you know. He's like, well, you know, he's like, honestly, he's like, I know you're dominating, but I'm not offering you today, which was a heartbreaker. It was because I'm like, dang, you know, if you go at any camp, that, that, at any camp, you go ball out, you're, go, you're thinking you're going to get offered. But, you know, Cut was different when he came to the recruitment process. Like, Cut had to do his homework on you because Cut didn't just, Coach Cut didn't want to just bring anybody into the Duke football program because that's not what we're about. So, you know, after, after that happened, you know, I was mad, you know, it's like, dang, like, you know, I, I did all this, came to this. So I just, I apologize. So I just tried to call me, but, um, oh yeah. So then after he, you know, I was mad. I was like, man, like I wanted this offer, you know, but on all this other good stuff, but you know, two weeks later I got offered. They just had to do some research, you know? So coach McGrath, uh, and coach, uh, and coach Derek Jones were kind of the main guys recruiting me at the time, you know, cause coach, uh, coach Derek Jones actually coached at uh, Murray state way back when. So he knew the area. So, you know, that helped, you know, they offered me when I was actually going to visit another school, I was on the Greyhound bus to go to uh, Indiana University. And that's why they offered me when I was on the Greyhound bus. And I, that was pretty, that was a pretty exciting moment just because one, like, I had to try to hold my excitement in because there was a lot of people sleeping and stuff on the bus. I didn't want to wake them up. But I was, when I tell you, I was excited. Oh, man. I mean, I was ecstatic. And I was like, wow, like, I just got a full scholarship offer to go to Duke University. And then, you know, kind of after that, you know, I was just kind of thinking, you know, I went to Indiana, visited, you know, did a camp and stuff. They ended up offering offering me too eventually. And I was just like, man, like, I was like, you know, I didn't really want to waste time in recruiting. I'm like, you know, I was really considering going to Duke anyways. So, I mean, let me just go ahead and commit now. Like, why? what am I waiting for? I was just mad the other day that they didn't offer me. Now here they are giving me the opportunity and believing in my skill set and believing in me as a player and a person to come to come be a part of the program. I'm like, I'm not gonna waste time. So I actually committed uh, to Duke after one of my workouts with my basketball coach. Cause we talked about it. He's like, man, he's like, man, you he said, just commit. He's like, I know how you felt when you didn't get the opportunity, but now here it is. He's like, don't let it pass you by. I'm like, you know what, you're right. And that's why I pulled the trigger and committed to Duke. That's a it's a great story, especially hearing about Coach Jones. Uh, he was a great recruiter during his time at, at Duke. Let's go through kind of your seasons, and I'll lump two of them together since you mentioned your injuries in Spokane. 2016-2018, if 2016 was injury-riddled, 2018 was injury-plagued. What were those two seasons like for you guys? Because from the outside fan perspective, um, 2016, I felt you guys were coming in with a lot of promise after that win against Indiana in the pinstripe bowl. And then the way 2018 was going, it just seemed like if you guys could have stayed healthy, you would have won maybe 10 wins and been competing for the, the ACC. Your eyes just got big when I said that. <laughs> but what, what were those seasons like from the, from the inside? Um, so 2016, dang, just, just thinking about 2016 alone, that was a, that was a long, man, that's a long time ago. Um, you know, personally, you know, me being, you know, I played a little bit as a freshman, so, you know, it was, it was just, you know, 2016 was a, a weird year in a way, like, you know, I think we beat Notre Dame that year, but then went on a losing streak, and it's just like, man, like, what's going on? You know, we had a lot of injury that year, too. And I just felt personally, I just felt like there wasn't much I could I could do myself because I was so young and so un, I haven't been able to I wasn't able to be in the in the weight room with Durfee full, full time at the time. So I felt like, man, like I thought I prepared hard, but it's different playing against guys that's already been lifting. It's different, you know, trying to trying to, to know the game plan, like just uh, making that adjustment to college football as a true freshman is tough. It is tough. Being a true freshman sounds good until you have to do it, manage it. With, okay, I still got to learn the playbook and the game plan, and I still have to go to school. Like, it was tough. But, you know, honestly, I think 2016, man, I just think guys were just the injury just kind of was just taking toll, taking a toll on us, you know, and it's like 
guys are, are getting beat up and it's just like, man, you know, but I do commend, you know, we fought hard. I mean, on, on all the Duke teams I've been on, I will say, you know, we fought hard through a lot of adversity. Really, because, you know, we, in, you know, in 2016, we lost a lot of games by 10 points or less. And so it's like, dang, like, come on. Dang, like, almost there. We should have won. We should have. But, you know, I definitely commend the guys. You know, we were able to beat Carolina that same year, and that felt good being able to send the seniors out the right way on that type of note, note saying they were able to beat Carolina that year. I mean, we had a a lot of hard people that put a lot into this program on that team. From, I mean, Jaleigh Duckett, Thomas Sir, A.J. Wolf. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, you know, it's just like, you know, it felt good to send them out the right way, even though a bowl game did not happen. But that was definitely a tough year injury-wise. But I did not know it could get worse going when we had in that 28 season. I didn't know it could get worse than that. So, you know, in 2018, with all, I mean, everybody was injured at some point. And I was just like, wow, like. But I will say, just coming into, like, the, the hunger of the team, like, you know, in 2016, all, all of us were young. 2018, we all now were seeing that opportunity, like, this is our time to shine. When we, it was literally a next man up mentality. Like, listen, you never know you, your number would be called because people were dropping left and right. But I will say a lot of people stepped up, and I mean a lot. It's like, wow, like, guys that were on scout team were getting moved over into the ones and twos and picking up where the guy left off. Like there was no drop off. And I believe, I firmly believe this and I don't, I don't really care who doesn't believe it. I definitely believe if we don't have the amount of injury we had in 2018, we would have been in the ACC championship. I stand on it. Cause we, I say that was our year because I mean, you know, Daniel, I mean, Daniel was on fire. You know, Daniel was on fire. TJ Remy on fire. Everybody was on fire. And I mean, it's like, we were so, we had put so much work in that offseason outside of the, the facility. It was insane. I mean, we were all bought into, hey, this is a year to go. Because, you know, that 2017 season when we went to the Quick Lane Bowl, you know, we lost six games in a row. You know, we started out hot, went on a six-game losing streak. But once again, we were losing about, about 10 points or less in most of the games. So it was pretty discouraging. But then we were able to, you know, come together and tough it out. Two, two tough wins against Georgia Tech and uh, Wake Forest and then go to the bowl game and, and play NIU and win. And, you know, once we had that feeling of, man, it feels good to go to a bowl game, was, we was like, we have to go again. We can't miss anymore. Can't miss anymore. Because, you know, I really enjoyed having Christmas with, like having spending my Christmas with the football team in college. I enjoyed it. I feel like it made us, excuse me, closer as a team. And, I mean, I just, I don't know. There's just something about it, man. It's, I can't explain it. I tell guys all the time, once you go to a bowl game, you're not, you're never going to want to miss another one. And I mean, I, you know, that year, even though it was the walk-on independence bowl, not the one we wanted, but Hey, it still felt great to send Daniel and all the other seniors, Joe, Giles, Ben Humphreys, and send them out on the right note with a win. But you know, that definitely believed, you know, if those, if people stayed healthy and we did not get played with injury the way we, we were played with injury, I definitely think that's a 10-win season, a 10-win season we're going to ACC championship season. I definitely believe that. You know, but shout out to everybody that really, you know, just fought hard and believed. You know, we could have easily went downhill when we had all those injuries. But, I mean, we had guys that were so hungry and wet, waiting for opportunity to get on the field. When it was time, they attacked the opportunity. When their number got called out of nowhere, they said, all right, whatever. Grab it by the horns. Let's go. We got a game to win. I mean, it was a beautiful sight to see, you know, seeing guys that were on scout team come flourish on Saturdays. And turning back to the 2016 season, I want to go over some of those close losses you mentioned. Wake Forest, 24 to 14. Northwestern, 24 to 13. Louisville, I remember that game, watching it. I think it was a Thursday night game or maybe a Friday game. 24 to 14, lost by three to Georgia Tech, three to Virginia Tech. There were, you know, the ball bounces a little bit differently in those games. It's a very different season, right? Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. instead of going four and eight, you guys are six and six or seven and five, right? Exactly. Yes. 2017. I'd forgotten about these close losses. All I remember is the six-game losing streak. And then we were at the Georgia Tech game when the lights came back on for you guys. But the close losses in 2017, 
by seven points to Virginia, by seven points to Florida State, seven points to Pittsburgh, five points to Army. Again, that could have easily been a very different season for you all, right? And then 2018, it, it just looks like it's coming together and boom, everybody gets hurt, you know? Um, but I want to ask a little bit about, before we get into the 2019 season, some of the position coaches and coordinators that you had while you were there. Uh, tell us a little bit about Coach Albert, what kind of coach he was and how, how helpful he's been to your career. Man, I could, when I say I could talk all day about this, man, I could speak all day about him. I don't really, you know, one, that Coach Albert is probably like one of my great, one of my favorite coaches I've ever had. And like, when I say he cares about his players, he cares. You know, Coach Albert is a great, great man. I mean, even guys I play with in Canada that had time around Coach Albert, everybody says the same stuff. That is a great dude, which Coach Albert is a great man. Outside of how how great of a football coach he is, Coach Albert respects all his players. And he definitely – I definitely saw Coach Albert as a father. I did. You know, that's that's the type of relationship. And even when I coached with him, it, it felt like I was coaching with, like, my dad. Like, I, I got that sense of a feeling from, like, you know, he made me feel that comfortable and he taught me a lot. And, you know, and Coach Albert, you know, being, you know, he was a great football player himself. And, you know, he understood, you know, sometimes people will have guys that coach a position that's never played. You know, with him playing, he's played nose guard. He knows what it's like to be a D lineman. So he understands what's being asked of us physically. So he knew, one, how to mentally prepare us, and two, how to physically prepare us. He physically prepared us in practice. I can tell you that. We worked. You would have came down to our corner in the D-line corner and indie drills. Our indie drills were not for the faint at heart. However, when those lights cut on on Saturday, we were ready to go. But, you know, just but even but getting back to, you know, Coach Albert was just a great guy. He's a great guy because he's genuine. You know, what you see is what you get with Coach Albert. So, you know, he just did a great job just caring for us and making us just feel loved. And that's why we wanted to play for him. We, we, we would do anything for Coach Albert. Coach Albert told us to do something. We did it with no hesitation. Because we knew it was for our best interest in football and our best interest in life. So, you know, I I absolutely enjoyed being around Coach Albert. If I could have played for him around him for eight, if I could have played been coached by him for eight seasons, I would. I enjoyed every minute learning from him. I mean, he's taught me so much about the game. He's taught me so much about how to handle situations in life. I mean, I there's a lot of credit I can give to. I give to Coach Albert for making me the man I am today, teaching me on how to be a man outside of being a, great, a good football player. You know, I, man, I could keep going. I get, you know what I'm saying? But you just all in all, I love Coach Albert. You know, all of us loved Coach Albert. Still love him. Still love him to death, you know. So, yeah, he was great. He, he was a great asset to us and, and to great asset. Tell us a little bit about your former defensive coordinator, Coach Knowles. He's at Ohio State now, uh, went from Duke to Oklahoma State. Now he's in the Big Ten. Tell us a little bit about him as a coach and what you think has made him so successful. He's a genius, in my opinion. Coach Knowles is a genius. Man. I mean, he does what he has to do, and the adjustments he can make on the fly is insane. It's insane. I think that was the my biggest eye-opener. You know, with how smart he was, you know, like I, I'd say I made a mistake on some early drive in the game. The fact that he's able to come bring that drive up, and I couldn't even remember what play he was talking about. I'm like, wow. Maybe, you know, this was back before, you know, teams had like iPads and stuff on the sidelines. So I'm like, dang, you remember that? I was like, well, um, coach, I, you know, we gonna have to, I told him a few times, like, coach, we have to talk about that one in film because I, I don't even know what I did, to be honest with you. So, you know, <laughs> just, you know, but honestly, though, no, Coach Knowles was a genius. Um, and Coach Knowles had that, 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 like that it factor of like, I'm not going to be outworked. Like, you know, and that's what I enjoyed about Coach Knowles. Like, you know, Coach Knowles, he could really, he really pumped us up to go play. I mean, I'm not going to speak on things that he said, but you know, it's just, he got us there and we all trusted his plan and we executed it and he brought us great success. So, you know, Coach Knowles was one of those guys, you know, I enjoyed being around. 
I did. You know, I enjoyed being around Coach Knowles. He was a great man. Loved playing for him. You know, it hurt when he left. You know, it hurt me a lot. You know, because I, I really like, I really love Coach Knowles. So I mean, but I'm glad to see him. He's still having success. You know, I'm proven right when I say he's a genius. A genius. You know, so hey, it is what it is. That's how football is. But you know, I, I enjoy playing with Coach. I love it. Well, before we get into 2019, could you just, just tell us a little bit about what it was like to be up for a quarter against Clemson back in 2018? That was a great feeling. Well, you know, and honestly, I think that's what solid, that's I think that's what let me know that if we would have had our weapons, that game would have been different. So the fact that, you know, even though with all the injury, we have all these guys out here that haven't played a lot of college football who are still hanging with Clemson. I'm like, I'm just like, imagine if guys were, we had all of our guys healthy, you know, I'm like, this game would be different. It would probably would have went down to the dog fight. I believe it would have been like a game where we win either by a touchdown or lose by a field goal or lose by a touchdown. Like one, it was going to be one of those type of games. Honestly, but that's what I knew. Like the talent we had on the team was legit. I was like, wow. Like even like guys that like are on, were on scout team were covering Amari Rogers, T Higgins and guys like that. I'm like, man, like we, we got some talent here. That was a talent, but it felt good. It did feel good. You know, but then, you know, Travis Etienne got loose. You know, we were told don't miss a tackle on Travis or he'll score, and we missed a tackle and he scored. So, I mean, you know, Travis Etienne's different. He's a different he's a different beast. But, you know, that, like I said, that was a fun game to be a part of. It was. It was a fun game to be a part of. It was a fun experience. Well, let's go ahead and get into 2019. Uh, trying to think about where to start. The Alabama game was different. I remember listening to it driving back from my grandparents' house, uh, caught it on the radio and listened to it as long as I could. Signal died out on some back roads getting home. But what what do you remember most about that year? Uh, the 2019 year. It's kind of – there's there's two games. Like, you know, you know the elephant in the room is the USC game, of course. But, you know, I think there's two games that kind of dictated – how that season was going how, like you know there's two games we needed to win so that way we could be eligible and the pit the pits the pittsburgh game and the usc game were two games that we needed one because i think i believe we win those two games we probably win eight games that season in my opinion but you know those two losses were just pretty they were detrimental you know it's like dang you know I, people don't know this but we had you know some beef with pit before the game i mean pit was kicking up that was a personal game they were kicking our field up and stuff you know kicking up the end zone and the dude, you know, just doing being disrespectful. So, you know, that was a, that was a personal thing. And I actually ended up with leaving that game with a concussion um, in like the middle of the third quarter, second, yeah, middle of the third quarter. But, you know, that's a game. And then of course the USC game, you know, what happened happened, you know, that, that was a tough loss. And they didn't, and I don't think UNC handled the win uh, appropriately, but I mean, it is what it is. It's college sports. Stuff like that happens all the time. So I mean, I'm not gonna say anybody, oh, they they should have been nice about it. No, it was a big, it was a big time game, big time moment. It's a lot of emotions flowing. So, but yeah, I definitely, you know, 2019 season was a little tough because I mean, I thought coming out of the off season, I you know, we were very confident in Quentin, so there was never any doubts when it came to Quentin. You know, honestly, there was no doubts when it came to the team. To be honest. You know, we we were, you know, we put a lot of work in that offseason. I mean, we were expecting to pick up. We were expecting to be the 20, 2018 season with uh, without the injuries, honestly. We thought we, we, we believed in ourselves, and I believe that we can make a big run at this, you know. But, you know, sometimes, you know, things take different type of turns that you're not ready for. So, you know, you just kind of have to roll with the punches and handle the adversity. That's what this that's what our sport's about. How do you – how can you handle adversity? Because, I mean – Football brings a lot of adversity to you when you're between those lines, you know. So, I mean, it was a it was a kind of, you know, it was a tough year, you know, dealing with some stuff. But, you know, I definitely enjoyed how we were able to finish it and beat Miami. You know, I, I, I enjoyed beating Miami twice, you know, in a row. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, you know, we finished strong, even though we didn't get the bowl game win, you know. I'm not looking back. I wouldn't have it any other way just because, you know, I'm very grateful for the guys I went to war with that season. You know, a lot, a lot of, you know, we put our bodies and life on the line when we go between those lines. So I'm never going to say like, oh, well, I wish this would have happened. Like, yeah, you know, I wish things could have been different, but I'm not, you know, they happened. 
you can't you can't fix them now. You got to keep moving on. So it was a tougher year, but I mean, hey, like I said, I'm very grateful for how the year went down. I, I believe it helped motivate us as men and how to handle situations that you in the right way. So let me ask you a little bit about kind of some trends that we saw develop in 2019 that continued throughout 2020 and 2021 in regard to kind of some inconsistencies. You play pit close, you beat Georgia Tech, but then Virginia just handles you guys. Where was – and then, you know, the Carolina game was close. What what do you think the source of some of that was, the week-to-week difference in performance or – results i mean i know you guys played hard and i i know you guys put it all out there but what do you think was the issue behind some of that i think that was kind of a turn of where we had a lot of young guys on the team you know a lot of experience you know a lot of people that haven't played college ball were playing and you know i just think sometimes when you in preparation you know some people that don't know how to prepare you know sometimes you miss that that attention to detail you know and when games where you're going you're supposed to do a certain assignments and stuff. You're not doing them. You will get handled. Like you, you know, if you're not consistent in your preparation, we're not doing what we have to do. That's going to happen. And that's just kind of what took the time. You know, a lot of people didn't realize what went in. I don't think a lot of people would re- realize what goes into preparation. You don't just go out on Saturdays and play. No, you have to study your moment. You have to do the time. You have to do the film. You have to do everything you got to do to be successful. And that's kind of, Showed and not not knocking any young guys. I'm never knocking young guys. I'm just saying, like, if you've never been in this situation, or is this your first time in the situation? Of course, you're not gonna know what to do. So, I think I kind of just was a mix of it. And there's a there's a lot of things. There's some other things that kind of just trickled down. But you know, I'm not gonna speak on it. But it's just just some different factors that go into that. You know, and that what leads that, and that can lead to a, a very bad product in the field at times. Not at times. It will lead to a bad product in the group. So that's just kind of what happened. Um, yeah. Well, I, said, I learned from it, but it was definitely tough to be around. It was tough. It was tough, but it is what it is. Let's talk about the Carolina game in particular. I mean, it's close. It looks like Carolina is going to get the win. They're driving down the field, and then there is a turnover that gets forced. Uh, and the offense gets the ball, goes back down the field. Can you walk us through that play where you guys knock the ball loose, scoop it up, and give the offense a chance? I don't know if you know this. I was the one that knocked, actually happened to knock the ball out. That um, might be why I asked you about it. <laughs> but no, um, so it was crazy because I'm not going to lie to you. When I tell you, I was, we, we were dog tired because they drove it down the field. And, I mean, I felt like this drive was never going to end. And I'm just watching the clock, and I'm like, man, like, if they score here, it's over. Like our chances are out the window. You know, we call on the goal line. We call we call a blitz. You know, I didn't honestly. I didn't even realize I knocked the ball out. I thought you know, when they when they handed the ball to the running back and he dove, I just jumped. I was like, okay, I have a perfect angle. I'm gonna just jump and catch him from the side because Trayvon hit him up top and he spun. And when I jumped it through my arms, I just happened to boom punch it out. I was like, wow. You know, I thought, I thought, you know, I thought I did some, you know, weird WWE type of thing and hit him and the ball spun out. But I mean, the punch out was pretty clean too. Don't get me wrong. So, but no, that was definitely a big moment because it was like, wow, like, you know, we, we just said, we held up. We held up. Like we, I never had any confidence that we were full, but it's like, you know, with the running backs they had, those two jokers that are both running all over people in the NFL right now. Yeah. They had some, those guys were the real deal. So, you know, it just felt good. It was a bit, it was a very good momentum swing to get the offense the ball and then and see them drive it down the field. You know, it was a big moment. So, yeah, I definitely, it's the moment I'm never going to forget. It's something I rewatch on my phone all the time, you know, because it's just like, wow, I wish somebody could have caught a picture of me in the air when I punched it, but it's all good. It's all good. You know, no worries. But yeah, that's, you know, it was a good moment, man. But, and then, you know, seeing, you know, seeing that offense click on the way down the field, man, it's getting, I mean, I thought we had it in the back, but, you know, we, we know what happens. So this is what it is at this point. But, yeah, it's still fun. It's probably one of my, I think that was, regardless of this outcome, that was one of the most intense Carolina games I've been a part of. 
that well, 2018 was pretty intense too. Because that was a really close game too. So I mean, but you know, Daniel showed why why he is what he is. I, I believe in that game. Daniel really the 2018 Carolina game, Daniel dominated. So and you know, that was a big part of his success. But you know, I mean, like I said, watching Q be a field Q Quentin be a field journal that game, man. I mean, it was, it was a sight to see. It was a very it's it it a beautiful sight to see, I can tell you that. Walk me through if you if you care to emotionally relive it the what turned out to be the final play for the offense they line up timeouts called you come back out the offense comes back out in the same formation and then we know what happens what walk us through how you guys are processing the lead up to it and then the aftermath mm, i mean uh, it's just this is kind of a heart, a heart it's a heartbreaking situation you know but i mean kind of had to, you know, we probably felt how everybody else felt, not even worse and not any worse, you know, a little bit of disbelief and whatnot. But I mean, it is what it is. It, ha- it happens, but yeah, definitely hurt. But, you know, we just kind of had to move forward with it. You know, that's, that's, that's the name of the game, you know, make calls that you, you regret, but hey, you keep moving forward at the end of the day, you know, so yeah, we definitely felt like I said we felt like how everybody else felt, you know, and try to, to move forward, man. Things could have been different, but they weren't. But hey, that's life sometimes, you know. So it is what it is at that point. But yeah, it was. It was tough. It was tough. It was tough for sure. And then on top of that, it didn't help having them rubbing, having uh, Carolina rubbing our face after that. Hey, it is that's football. <laughs> That's football and, and games like that, stuff like that's going to happen. So, you know, it is what it is. And plus, they haven't seen, you know, they haven't seen the bell for three years. So, you know, of course, they're going to have like they haven't, you know, this, of course, they're going to have that emotion. And it's been stuck with us for a while. So, so you were, you were captain for the 2019 season. What did that mean to you being captain? Oh, man. I mean, It felt really good because, you know, knowing that all those guys believed in me and saw me as a leader. You know, I didn't. Yeah, I, I started saying more, but I was never the guy to say a lot. I let I like to work. I love I love I love I love, you know, people say, oh, I lead by example. I lead by example. Like, no, I wanted people to see to physically see how hard I'm working in practice, how hard I'm working in the weight room, how hard I'm going in runs. Like, I want them to see that I am literally giving this stuff my all. Like, cause you know, everybody, you know, I feel like anytime you hear, you say, oh, like, the type of, like you gotta be a leader. A lot of people is always gonna say, oh, you like to lead by example. But I took leading by example to heart. I was like, I want, cause I, I feel like in order to be a leader, you have to have yourself in order first before you talk, even think about leading anybody else or telling anybody else what to do. So I, I wanted to make sure without a doubt that my stuff and myself was in order before I ever even thought about saying something else to anybody else. And I knew what, just, I knew I could control how hard I worked and how diligent I was about my work. So that's what I did. And, you know, and just on top of that, I respected people. Like, you know, I didn't, you know, I just showed guys respect. Like, I mean, that's what it's about. It's about respect. Like, you know, you want to treat people how you want to be treated. You want to treat people well. And, you know, I wanted people to remember me for the teammate I was. Not some guy who was, oh, like, we didn't, we didn't like being around trade. No, I wanted people to enjoy being around me. But when it was time to work, we had to work. Because that's what we're here to do. We're here to work. That's why we, we're going to school for free. We're here to work. So just thinking at times we need to be done, it has to be done. And it's simple. So it definitely was a great feeling, you know, being captain, being voted captain my senior year by other guys, you know, just showing how much they appreciated me and believed in my leadership skills. I really... You know, it, was, it felt great. It felt great. Well, you transitioned from playing to coaching. What was that transition like for you? Um, it was different. Um, you know, luckily, me being a person I am, I'm, I'm very selfless, anyways. You know, so I'm always thinking about about um, others before myself. So that made it. That was easier. Just realizing that you know, it's not about me no more. It's all about the players and their well being. So that was an easy adjustment. The thing I didn't realize is, you know, and what made me even angry at myself looking back as a player, 
I did not realize how much goes into preparation. It is different. I mean, the coaches spend a lot of time talking over and looking over things in this meet in these meeting rooms. And it made sense why, okay, why am I getting yelled at for a little small simple mistake? No, because we spend all day, like coaches spend all day prepping and spend has to spend longer time teaching us stuff. Like they expect us to get it because that's our job. You know what I'm saying? Like in the, in the pros, if you don't, if you don't, if you're busting plays, you're cut. Man, simple. Like in college, it's not really a, a cut a system like that where you're cutting you. Yeah, they might not play you if you're not getting right. But like in the pros, you, you don't, it's your job to know stuff. It's your job to listen to meetings as it is in college. So it's like, wow, like I did not realize how much went into it. And yeah, I'm very blessed and thankful that I have a year of coaching because that makes that year made me coaching made me a better football player returning back to the game. It did, because one, I took the game more. I took the game more serious in my preparation as a player. I learned, you know, watching how different people would analyze film, you know, figure out different ways I analyze it. It's like, wow, okay, mate, this will help me pick up the way he does. Looks at this and sees this. Let me look at it this way. It's, and that will probably help me pick up on trends myself. You know, just different stuff. There's just a lot that goes into being a coach. And that, you know, I appreciated them a lot more being a coach with them than I was as a, you know, a young cat, a young guy in, in college. Like, I definitely had a lot more appreciation for what gets done. And now as I'm playing again, I take that same appreciation and consideration going into camps and when I'm looking at installs and stuff. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's their job. So if we're not doing what we have to do, that can result in, I mean, them getting fired. At the end of the day, that's, I mean, that's the reality. So, you know, that definitely changed my outlook But it def- on, on football, but it definitely made me a better player. It made me a way better player. And now, like I said, you know, I felt, you know, just me personally, like being as a first-year guy, you know, I felt there was more – I had more anxiety or, like, nerves going into games as a coach than I did as a player. Because, I mean, playing's easy. To me, you know, playing is easy. I'm just out there having fun. As a coach, there's so much stuff you have to see and know and pick up on in a matter of seconds. It's like, wow, like you gotta you have to really be on your piece and piece as a coach. So I commend all the football coaches out there that are constantly working, grinding, and preparing. I commend them because you know, it's everybody can't do that. And you know, I definitely have a lot of respect for anybody who is a coach. I have a lot of respect, a lot of respect for the guys that have coached me. So yeah, a lot that goes into it. It was definitely higher. Well, I'm not going to talk about any of the offensive guys in this next segment because they get too much credit as it is. And you guys on the defense get overlooked, but you played along some guys who are in the NFL right now, guys like Victor D. McKagee, Michael Carter, Mark Gilbert. What's it like for you to see them in the NFL? Um, it's just, it's just like a proud brother moment. Like I know, you know, Vic and I are really close. Me, Vic, Vic, Chris, and myself, we're all really close. You know, we're in the same position room. I was, I remember, you know, I, I hosted Vic on his official visit, you know, stuff like that. I, 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 I saw the work that I put the, I saw the work that we all put in together and it made me, it made me feel good knowing that what they did and how they produced and the work they put in didn't go in vain, you know? I saw Mark putting in the work, Michael Carter putting in the work. I, I've seen it all, and especially Mark. You know, we knew Mark was special um, coming in. We all knew like Mark was special. You know, we never outside of, you know, his the family history. Like we knew Mark was special. We're like, okay, Mark's going to be that guy. And then that 2017 year when Mark took off, it was like, yeah, Mark's really that guy. And then the, to see the process of watching Mark, we learn how to walk, we learn how to run, you know, all the things he went through with that injury. And still come pop a four three on pro day, you know it's like it doesn't it's stuff like that that you just can't. It's hard. It's stuff like that that makes this football, this game of football, so special. You know, for for us, like we all saw it. We saw what he had to go through in the training room. We, and that's just us seeing it. We we don't know how it felt the, the way he knows how it felt, but it felt it was just like a, it kind of could bring like a, a tear of joy to you. Seeing this man go from relearn how to walk and run, all of a sudden, pro day come, you run a four three. It's just like wow. It's like wow, I mean, he was that, he was that resilient. 
you know, he, he, he kept going. He could have easily gave up, you know, but, you know, just stuff like that. I mean, that's what makes football special, man. The meritocracy and the, that goes into it, the work that goes into it, man. It's just, it also makes me really happy to see all those guys, even, you know, Joe, Joe Giles, too, is, is, you know, doing his thing in the league, too. It's just like, man, like, it's definitely good to see. Definitely good to see. Well, and apologize. Uh, I got to give an apology for leaving out Rumpf and uh, Joe Giles Harris. Hopefully those guys will forgive me. Uh, for I, so. when I think they will. Mentioning. I think they will, you know. And, you know, even with Chris, you know, we knew Chris was going to be special, too, from the time he's, we saw him uh, move around. We knew Chris was going to be something, you know. It was just fun. You know, Chris is a fun guy to be, a, be around. You know, he's energetic. You know, he's energetic all the time. He's positive all the time, you know. You know, it was just special being around those guys and seeing them flourish the way they did and now seeing them getting paid to paid to do it. You know, it's fun. You know, it's really fun. You know, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy for all of them. You know, I enjoy watching them. I mean, we'll always enjoy watching them. So, yeah. <laughs> well, looking back on your time at Duke, what are you most proud of on the field, off the field, in the community? What? What am I most proud of? Graduating. <laughs> graduation I was I told I told uh, a lot of people you know I'm like yeah like you know I wanted to get drafted have go to the league and all that stuff but I was like man the main thing I looked forward to was graduation after seeing how like much of how big of, of, of an event it was at Duke like how traditional our graduations were I was looking forward to that the most walking across the stage uh, in Wallace Wade and getting my diploma you know, so that was my honestly, and that, and then that, when I got to relive it, that was definitely my proudest moment. You know, just graduating from Duke, it was, it was, it was a bigger accomplishment because I graduated actually in twenty nine, early twenty fall twenty nineteen. I got in, you know, put the work in and got out, but you know, that was that's my biggest accomplishment outside of the bowl rings because I never won, I, I never won like a, I never won any rings in high school, so that felt good to win some bowl games and stuff. But no, that's that definitely is my most proud moment is graduating from Duke University. All right, Trey, uh, I appreciate you taking the time on this Sunday to come on and, and chat with us about football. Uh, it's been a great talk. I, I thank you for making time for this. It's It's been a lot of fun, and I've learned a lot. Uh, for anybody who's out there listening, you know how to get a hold of me. Send me an email, bullcitycoordinators at gmail.com. Check us out on our website, bullcitycoordinators.com. Follow us on Twitter, at DukeFBCoverage. Our DMs are open. We're still working on lining up a few more interviews. We've got another one coming in March. Uh, got some for April, and I'm working on trying to get one in May that will take us back to the Ted Roof, David Cutcliffe transition period. And the only other thing that I want to say now is go Red Blacks and go Duke. And, Trey, we hope you have a great season coming up. We'll do what we can to, to keep up with you. I know it's hard to watch the CFL games up here, up, down here in the States, but we'll be rooting for you. We'll be rooting for Ottawa. Go Duke. Thank you so much for having me.